Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. All right, good morning. Happy Monday. Happy 6 a.m. It's good to see you all. If you're joining us here now on the Zoom or joining us uh, later on on the podcast or the YouTube replay, it's so good to have you all with us this morning or this afternoon or this evening, whatever it is. Um, we're hopping into 1 Samuel 11 today. Uh, right before we do, a couple quick things. Uh, one, if you missed yesterday, you missed a day at Fusion Church. We had an incredible message from Pastor Brendan, um, as well as 19 baptisms. It's Baptism Sunday. Come on. If you want to see what revival looks like, Get yourself to a Sunday service and you'll see it. An incredible morning uh, of Sunday. It's been kind of a week coming up too. Uh, top, you know, starting off our day with our week with 19 baptisms. Um, this coming week is our Operation Orange Outreaching Packing Week. So we're going out, um, coming into EHT or Cumberland County, both locations. We'll be packing bags uh, Tuesday, Wednesday nights at EHT and Wednesday night at Cumberland County, as well as Thursday morning at EHT. So uh, go ahead and check out your emails for more information. We have an incredible week of packing over 1,400 teacher bags to bless teachers. So if you have any any free time, we need some hands and some hearts to come pack these bags and pray over these bags before they get delivered next week. Um, and then wrapping up this incredible week, next Sunday, the 27th, is Back to School Superhero Sunday. So if you know a teacher, you know a student, you know a bus driver, a principal, um, a school janitor, okay, whoever it is, whoever works in our school systems, we want to pray over them and bless them going into the new school year, give them some hope and some love and some peace, most of all, going into this back-to-school season. So please um, make sure you're checking out our social media, checking out your emails, getting the invites to invite any teacher or a school educator, facility manager, whoever you need to, um, to get to back-to-school Sunday with us. And help us to love on as many teachers as we can upcoming this coming week. All right. So all that being said, let's go ahead. We'll pray in and see what God has for us today now. All right. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for another day. We get to come into your presence. Another day we get to come into your faithfulness. Another day, Lord God, we get to come into knowing more of you through your word. Thank you for your sacrifice, Jesus, on the cross that allows us to have a relationship with our Father, with your Holy Spirit, with the word, God, that gives us hope, that gives us peace, that gives us guidance, that gives us discipline. But most of all, Lord, gives us your love because we have for your people. Let's pray now, Lord God, open our hearts, our minds, our eyes and ears, Lord, to what you have for each individual one of us this morning. I pray, Lord, that I would decrease and you would increase, Lord. That'd be your words, your wisdom, your insight, not my own. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that we can trust you to bring all these things into our lives. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray and we praise you. Amen. Amen. All right. So, so diving in today, the first Samuel 11, um, I'm in the new international version, NIV, um, previously on 6 a.m. So, dun, dun, dun. Uh, we were in first Samuel 10, a little background for that. Um, first Samuel 10 was when the prophet Samuel had anointed Saul as the first king of Israel. People, people wanted to be like the other nation. People wanted to have 
um, a king, like the other nations, to rule over them because God couldn't be their king. They wanted a human king. And so Samuel, the prophet, anointed Saul as the king. Um, but if you were soaping with us or reading with us, you would remember that not everyone wanted Saul. Not everyone accepted Saul, even though it was a God-given position. So all of us in background as we go into this new chapter here. Um, also, uh, spoiler alert for today, the, per- the word of the day, the lesson of today is perspective. All right, so keep that in mind as we go through perspective. First uh, Samuel 11 in the NIV is entitled, Saul rescues the city of Jabesh. Nahash, the Ammonite, went up and besieged Jabesh Gilead. And all of the men of Jabesh said to him, make a treaty with us. We will be subject to you. But Nahash the Ammonite replied, I will make a treaty with you on only the condition that I gouge out the right eye of every one of you and so bring disgrace on all Israel. The elders, the elders of Jabesh said to him, give us seven days so we can send messengers throughout Israel. If no one comes to our rescue, we will surrender to you. The messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and reported these terms to the people. They all wept aloud. Just then Saul was returning from the fields behind his oxen, and he asked, what is wrong with everyone? Why are they weeping? Then they repeated to him what the men of Jabesh had said. When Saul heard their words, the Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he burned with anger. He took the pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and sent the pieces by messengers throughout Israel, proclaiming, This is what will be done to the oxen of anyone who does not follow Saul and Samuel. Then the terror of the Lord fell upon the people, and they came out together as one. When Saul mustered them at Bezek, the men of Israel numbered 300,000, and those of Judah, 30,000. They told the messengers who had come, Say to the men of Jabesh Gilead, By the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. The messengers went and reported this to the men of Jabesh. They were elated. They said to the Ammonites, Tomorrow we will surrender to you, and you can do to us whatever you like. The next day, Saul separated his men into three divisions. During the last watch of the night, they broke into the camp of the Ammonites and slaughtered them until the heat of the day. Those who survived were scattered, so that no two of them were left together. Verse 12 is entitled, Saul confirmed this king. The people then said to Samuel, Who was it that asked, Shall, shall, shall Saul reign over us? Turn these men over to us, so that, we may be, so that we may put them to death. But Saul said, No one will be put to death today, for this is the day the Lord has rescued Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilead. Or let's go to Gilgal, and they renew the kingship. So all the people went to Gilgal and made Saul king in the presence of the Lord. There they sacrificed fellowship offerings before the Lord, and Saul and all the Israelites held a great celebration. Amen to God's word. All right, so, yeah, it's been so good. All right, so we're going to, um, again, like I said, the word of today is perspective, right? So kind of looking to see what's going on how we can kind of get some perspective on God's word, perspective on our lives too, right? So uh, back to first, uh, back to the very beginning, verse one through three. Um, but Nahash, right? The Ammonite is going up. He's, 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 a, he's a, at this point, he's a well-known um, ruler in the area. And so he was going around and that that's his, his MO, right? He would go to uh, nations to 
to conquer them, and he would gouge out their eye. Um, one of the footnotes, if you have the NIV version, there's actually a footnote on the name Nahash, and it says uh, he oppressed the Gadites and the Reub- Reubenites severely. So more Israelites, right? So here he had the tribe of Gad and the tribe of Reuben uh, overtaken. It's just the footnote that he gouged out all their right eyes and struck terror and dread in Israel. Not a man remained among the Israelites beyond the Jordan, whose right eye was not gouged out by Nahash, king of Ammonites, except for the 7,000 men that fled the Ammonites and entered Jabesh Gilead. About a month later, and it continues. So, like I said, he's he's known in Israel. Okay, he's, you know, remember that at this point, um, there was the 12 tribes. Ten of them had crossed the Jordan, and two of them had stayed behind. So now we see the, the consequences of those who stayed behind, the Gadites and the Reubenites. They're they're weak, right? They're weakened because they're by themselves, but they're also weakened because now there's other people coming to them and their fellow brothers and sisters and Israelites can't get to them for support, right? And so when Nahash comes up to Jabesh Galid, um, doesn't doesn't say if the men fought back or not. It just says, you know, let's make a treaty with you. So there's no no record, there's no um indication, right? That they even tried to fight back. Because at this point, they were so fearful. They knew who he was. And it's, it's frustrating to, to read that, right? It's frustrating to see that the Israelites in this, this you know, city just give up. You know, they're giving into the pressure of the enemy, giving into the pressure of the culture and the oppressor, oppression around them, right? Because they forgot who they were. They forgot that they were Israelites. They were God's chosen people. and But because of, they were so focused on, you know, um, the reputation of what they heard, so focused on the culture that's, you know, coming against them, they just gave in. We'll make a treaty with you, you know? And it leads them to to going to man, right? To going to the Israelites to send messengers out saying, hey, we're in trouble, come save us. Instead of going to God and saying, our God is our is our victor. Our God will save us, you know? And that's that's the problem. Sometimes, you know, we we're so quick because we lose focus of who we are in God's eyes, who's focused, you know, who we're called to be. We lose focus of of um, who's really there to save us, right? We get so caught up on on depending on man, depending on um, you know a financial position or a job position or a human a human made thing to get the, the victory we need, you know. And yes, we need community. Yes, it's good to have you know people around us that supporting us, but not at the expense of our of our reliance on God. Amen. You know, and it says um, in the New King James or the King James Version um, that same phrase. We'll make a treaty with you. Uh, the King James says, we'll make a covenant with us. Make a covenant with us for protection, right? And it's just so, it's so you know, again, it's so frustrating seeing how the Israelites are so quick to make a covenant or so quick to rely on others. And we'll make a covenant even with the enemy, right? Because they forgot God's covenant with them. And if we forget God's covenant with us, we'll make a covenant. We'll make a deal. We'll make a, a relationship with anyone else we can, right? Instead of, instead of relying on God. And it's, it's sad, but it's true. You know, we get so frustrated the Israelites, but the question is, is that our lives too? Are we falling into the trap of feeling pressure from culture, feeling pressure from outside sources, feeling pressure from the enemy even? And we'll make a covenant with whoever we can to protect ourselves instead of going to God to protect us, God to be our provision, God to be our victor and our, our rock to depend on. And talks about how uh, Nahash was going around gouging out the eye of all the men Israelites. And that, you know, physically, that's a sign of humiliation, right? Humiliation and weakness. 
um, practically. It's in, it makes you ineffective as a as a warrior, ineffective in your your livelihood. You know that creates a loss of death perception. So in that point, the men can no longer fight battles. So that and in that you know going forward, they couldn't fight back against Nahash or any any other enemies coming against them. And it's things like that. It's a tactic of the enemy to keep us in bondage, right? To keep us going forward weaker than how he found us, you know? And that's exactly what happens when we lose our perspective on God, right? And it's, just, it's not just a, a practical, a physical, you know, act. There's also a symbolism behind it, right? Symbolism of this, of all the punishments that this guy could inflict on the Israelites. Why is it gouging out the eye, you know? And it's a symbolism God's trying to show his Israelites and show us that the symbolism behind not seeing who God is, that, that having only having a half perspective on, on a relationship with him, right? Losing sight of who they were, losing sight on God, losing sight to the world around them, right? And creates a, that's what happens, right? We lose that sight of who God is and we have that, that loss of depth perception, loss of depth in our relationship with God, right? Um, Something else really cool to note, or really, you know, is uh, Nahash, the, their enemy in Hebrew, it means serpent or snake. And so, again, we're seeing that reflection, right, of the enemy being a serpent or a snake coming against God's people to lose that perspective, to cause fear, to cause terror, to cause division, you know. And that's the tactic of the enemy even now, right? Whether his name is Nahash or whoever that enemy you're facing is, right? The enemy is always trying to make us lose our perspective on God. And lose God's vision for us, in both both in a practical sense, like the Israelites, and also in a, in a spiritual sense, right? Losing that that vision of that dream, that purpose God has for your life. If He can snuff that out of you, He wins. Again, we're, He's not just talking about you know we're going to make you um, make you lose sight for a day. You know, you have a nap, or you wake up next day and your vision's back. No, the enemy is coming for the Israelites for permanent vision loss, for permanent. Um, debilitating and weakness, right? And he's not coming to us for one day or one, you know, couple of days. He's coming to us to make us lose our perspective for a lifetime, right? For a, for a long, for a long season. If we don't come back to God, we don't come back finding that perspective in Him. Amen. He wants to make us continually trapped, continually subservient. So the best thing we can do is to keep pressing into God, right? And so the first question we have this morning as we go through is, what are we subject to? Because we only see half the picture. What are we? What have we lost our sight of? Because of a physical battle we see in front of us, because we, and we've taken our eyes off the God, right? Just, just like the Israelites, we're no better, you know. The honest, so for like I, said, like I always say, it's always so easy to get frustrated with somebody else's sin, someone else's situation, someone else's you know loss of perspective on God. We look at ourselves. It's how am I being an Israelite in my own life? We're not that different. As we continue on, verses four through seven, um, messengers go out from uh, messengers go out and they come around and they try to you know find someone to help them, right? And so they come to Gibeah, where Saul is. Again, Saul just was just crowned and anointed as king last chapter, about a month ago before all this happened. Um, so they're going around telling people, asking what's going on. People are weeping when Saul comes back from the field with his oxen. Um, reading about how uh, Nahash lets the messengers go, right? You think about, he didn't have to let them go. He didn't have to, you know, he could say, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this right now. And I'll give them seven days time, right? 
But so, so it really says something about Nahash, about the enemy, right? That he's doubtful of the effectiveness of the Israelites, right? He's He knows that they're divided. He knows that there's the, the Jordan separating them even. And so he's so doubtful. He's so, you know, wants to, he's so prideful, right? He says, yeah, go ahead. Take a whole week, you know? You're not going to get this to happen. You're not going to have anyone coming to help you. Even better, the more the Israelites talk about the fear that they have, the more the, the Israelites go around with a bad report of Nahash, the more his reputation is growing, more he, he has more fear that's being spread about him, right? The more we talk about what the enemy is doing in our lives or threatening us with and losing perspective on God, the more the enemy grows in our lives, the more the enemy gets bigger, right? So the more, we, you know, what are we talking about? Why are we spreading? You know, are we spreading fear? Are we spreading division? Are we spreading, you know, that that cry for, hey, I'm trapped, I'm stuck, help, help, help? Or are we trying to come back to other people? Or are we talk, bring that same perspective, that same um, cries of fear and desperation to God, right? So we spread it to each other and it causes more fear, more anxiety, more attacks of the enemy. Or we give it to God and that's where we see resolution, right? But the Israelites, they're sh- spreading it to each other. They're t- coming to each other and saying, hey, we're t- being attacked. We're struggling. We need help. Um, again, God's so good, right? God's so good that he brings the right people into the Israelites for help. Or he brings Saul for such a time as this, right? I know we said it for, we said it for Esther all the time, but that for such a time as this also applies here as Saul, right? Because he was just anointed as king. And yet, where do we find him? We don't find him on the throne. We don't find him, you know. Um, being uh, the first one on top of the mountain to find out what's going on. He's coming back in from the field with his oxen, right? We're seeing it. It's so cool if you continue reading with us in Samuel. Um, you'll see that, you know, the kind of the comparisons, right, between Saul, the first king, and later on, David as king, right? So we know David was a shepherd boy back in the field, but Saul, he was in the field with some oxen. You know, he's just right there, you know, with, with humility, dependence on God, right? He's not on the throne. He's not making himself any bigger than what um, the Israelites are making him to be, right? He's, he was anointed as king, but he's not, he's not doing anything out of his timing with God. You know, he's, he's in the field taking care of his daily work, living his life, you know, with humility and, and focusing on God um, when he finds out what's going on, right? Um, I think it's really interesting too, if you're reading with us in Samuel, he was anointed as king yesterday uh, in 1 Samuel 10. Um, but in verse 22, it kind of shows the heart behind Saul, right? It says that um, verse 22 says how the Lord had to help Samuel because they're trying to find Saul to anoint him. And uh, God reveals that he has hidden himself among the supplies. You know, Saul was Saul was hiding from the supplies. He was hiding from the anointed, right? Um, and continuing on verse 27, it shows again the reaction of the people to Saul being anointed, is that some scoundrels said, how can this fellow save us? They despised him and brought him no gifts, but Saul kept silent. So we're seeing the difference, right? From yesterday's chapter and uh, chapter 10, how Saul is timid, he's shy, he's insecure. You know, he's he's hiding from his calling that God has for him. But in verse, uh, in chapter 10, we read uh, in verse six, when Saul heard their words, the words of the messengers, the spirit of God came powerfully upon him and he burned with anger. So the spirit of God came upon him. It gave him power, gave him authority, gave him, you know, fueled him, empowered him, the spirit driven, a new self, right? You know, it's 2 Timothy uh, 1, 7 lived out, right? The spirit of God, spirit, 
spirit God gave us does not make us timid. It gives us power, love, and self-discipline. You know, so again, we're seeing how that's lived out from the New Testament, also here in the Old Testament, right? As God's spirit comes over and into Saul and empowers him and equips him for this new calling and his new role as a king, right? God's spirit through us as leaders today, it equips us and brings to us together, right? To come against fear, to come against disunity. It comes together, you know, to bring God's people together, right? We're seeing that happen here, you know? And I think it's so beautiful too, because Saul, you know, Saul comes from being this nobody, this really insecure guy. And when he steps into the role he has, we see a total change in Saul, right? And it says in verse seven, how he took a pair of oxen, cut them into pieces, and send the pieces by messenger throughout Israel, you know, as an example of, hey, look, here's what's, we're going to come together, guys. You know, drastic times, drastic measures. And I think it's really beautiful, too, again, because we're saying oxen, like, that's how Saul makes his living. You know, he's he's in the field with his ox, like, he's taking care of business. Um, and yet, he cuts his oxen up. He's the first one to sacrifice for his people, you know. It's easy to say, oh, I'm the king, do what I say. But he's coming from a, such a spirit of humility that hey, we're going to do something. I'm going to make a move. I'm going to make the first sacrifice. I'm going to give of my my possession, you know, first to, to show how much he loves God's people, how much he wants to be the example set for God's people, right? So he sends out the oxen and sends a message to the rest of the Israelites and as well as Nahash, right? As a rallying cry of unity for God's people. And that's what we're called to do as leaders, right? When God gives us his spirit in us, it's to unify God's people. It's to build up the kingdom, right? It's not for fear, not for, you know, um, not for insecurities, not for doubt, right? There's no room for that in God's kingdom. He's calling us to be leaders and have that perspective, again, right, perspective to see how God wants to move in our lives, see how God wants us to move in the, in the people around us, right? To build up his kingdom, build up our communities, our church, our workplace, our school, whatever it may be, you know? There's no place the enemy can come for us that God's spirit is not already in us in that situation, right? Verses 8 through 11, <clears throat> we see another side of Saul, right? Okay, so we're seeing how he's, he's humble. He's, you know, on the more on the shy side. Okay, now he's got the Holy Spirit. He's he's empowered. He's he's a commanding. He's authoritative, you know? Um, now, verses 8 through 11, it says Saul's mustering up the people. He's got 300,000 Israelites and, and plus another 30,000 from Judah, right? And so we're seeing that the military mind of Saul now. We're seeing how he think that the clever mind too, right? Because he's telling the messengers to tell, you know, to to kind of lead on Ammonites, right? Say, oh, hey, you know, when the sun is hot, you know, tomorrow we'll surrender to you. You can do whatever you, you want to us, you know. We're going to surrender. You know, put, get their guard down for the Ammonites. And okay, let's so kind of make the Nahash's army, you know, a false sense of security, right? Do you think they got this beat? They think they're going to come into this battle, you know, at the end of the day and take over the man and say, oh, look, we win, you know, and, and make an, an easy win. Right. So so when Saul sending the messengers out, it's that that little bit of deception, right? That little bit of that military, that strategic mindset of Saul, which a good king needs to have at that time. Right. And so we're seeing how even though he didn't see himself as the king. God's giving him the gifts to be the king, to have the skill sets, to walk in that position God's, God's given him, right? And it's also really, you know, we're seeing that perspective shift also of Israelites at this time, you know? So Saul is getting his perspective shifted. 
he's seeing how he can do this role as king. And at this point, in these verses, we're seeing how Israelites, you know, they're they're getting excited. They're feeling relief, you know. Um, like he told the messengers, say to the men of Jabesh Galid, by the time the sun is hot tomorrow, you will be rescued. So now the men of, J- of Jabesh are putting their faith in in God because they're seeing what God's doing to bring Saul and the other Israelites back together to save them, right? We're seeing that perspective shift in them, you know? And it's so cool seeing how, how at the same time, you know, everyone's on their own journey with in this this passage, right? Saul's got his own journey. Israelites are on their own journey. Men of Jabesh are on their own journey. Everyone's, you know, God's working in all three situations, all three um, categories of, of people all at the same time, right? Everyone's got different perspective being shifted. Like you this morning, whether you're with us live or with us afterwards, you know, God's speaking to all of us at the same time, at different at different times, right? So all, you know, all of us in the, the call right now, the Zoom, are getting our perspectives checked and God's speaking to each of us. And whether you're listening now or, you know, two hours, three hours, three weeks from now, you know, God's working all the time because God's word is so alive. It's always working in our lives. It's always working to bring perspective shift. It's always working to have, you know, to change us, to help us see more of ourselves the way God sees us, right? Just like Saul, just like the people of Israel, just like the men of Jabesh, right? And so the other question we have today as we continue through is, who can you be a Saul for today? It needs an extra dose of faith and spiritual perspective in the face of the challenges that they're facing, right? Because the Spirit of God through, through Saul, it's Saul's faith in this moment that's going to bring assurance that the Lord's victory. It's Saul's dependence on God, Saul's relationship with him even, that's bringing the extra deliverance into the lives of the Israelites, right? They're relying on Saul, but Saul's relying on God, right? So who can you be a Saul for today that needs someone that needs an extra faith? Who can, who can you be a Saul for today that needs a perspective shift on the relationship with God? Maybe they don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you need to be, be that relationship to God for them, you know, and advocate and pray and be an example for them, right? To what they're facing today. Continue on. Uh, wrapping up uh, in verses 12 through 15. And in, in the NIV, it's, it's called Saul confirmed as king. And so you see how we go from uh, 1 Samuel at the end of chapter 10, um, how the haters are going to hate, right? A little bit of Taylor Swift action, you know, like the haters are going to hate. How they're like, oh, we're not, you know, we don't want him. Oh, who is this guy? Who, you know, and they, they aren't giving him gifts. They're not honoring him. They're not respecting him, right? But now what happened? Their perspective has shifted again. So they're trying to downplay Saul. But even no matter how much they're trying to downplay Saul and trying to denounce him and trying to, you know, go around him and ignore him, it couldn't stop God's plan for his life, right? Now who's trying to speak out against you? Who's trying to dismiss you? Who's trying to cast doubt upon you? It can't stop God's plan for your life, all right? And that, you know, so they had to get their perspective shifted, right? Because all of a sudden they're like, oh, this guy's the real deal. Oh, God's God came through with us. Oh, you know. God's for him. We need to be for him too, right? And yeah, the people turn to Samuel and they're like, who said, who said that they were denouncing Saul? Who said that they were, you know, rejecting Saul? Let's put these men to death, right? Because even in the moment of greatest victory, the enemy, the physical enemy, couldn't come against them. So what happens? We don't fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the spiritual enemy, right? So the physical enemy didn't come against them. He he was defeated. 
The spiritual enemy is still trying to come against the Israelites in this moment and cause division and cause destruction, right? And that's why it's so powerful what Saul does in verse 13, where he says, no one will be put to death today. So for this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. In every that moment, he had every right to say, yes, I'm king, kill them. Yes, you came against me, I'm going to come against you. Yes, I'm going to hold my authority and cause more destruction. But he didn't. Because even in this moment of greatest victory, of walking in the authority God gave him, of the people realizing who he was, he's still so humble and still so God-led, spirit-driven in his actions. He brings restoration. He brings mercy and grace into the situation, right? And it's because at that point, he knew the focus wasn't on him. He knew it didn't matter whether people accepted him or not, you know, before his victory or after his victory. It didn't matter to him, you know, because at that moment, that's when he realized Saul was chosen as king by God. And that's exactly what he's doing, right? He knows that God called him to that. So he's pointing the people back to God, you know. He's saying, for this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. Not for this day, I rescued Israel. For this day, the Lord has rescued Israel. He's coming into a place of, of dependence on God. And trying to show, set that example for others have dependence on God too, right? And, you know, we're seeing, again, a perspective shift, right? A totally different perspective from the end of Samuel 10, verse 10, Samuel, the end of this chapter, you know, the 11, right? We're seeing Saul with a new perspective on himself, gaining confidence. We're seeing a change in perspective of the people who are growing in faith and fellowship with God again, right? Because they go back up uh, to Gilgal and make a, a fellowship sacrifice before the Lord. And they're celebrating with God and they're having that time of fellowship with God again, with each other again, right? Because they saw what God brought them through. Again, maybe that's us today. God's trying to bring you through something or he's He's about to bring you through something or he just brought you through something. He's calling us back to rejoicing with him, calling us back to celebration with him, calls him back to celebrate with those around us, you know? Connect groups are starting up soon, right? We all need to have that, that band of connect groups around us to bring hope and bring protection and bring healing and bring you know, that perspective on God back into our lives, right? And so we're seeing the spirit of the Lord on Saul. Spirit of the Lord only came in one person in this story, right? On Saul, through Samuel and Saul. And it, but it brought a renewed perspective for everyone else in the story, right? On Saul and the people. Because of one person who acted in the Holy Spirit. One person who acted in the anointing and the gifting and the position God gave them, right? So... Unlike the Reubenites and the Gadites, who are too prideful or too faithless to ask for help, and who were taken over by the enemy, these Israelites had their sight and the perspective protected, right? Because all these other tribes, their men also have their eyes, you know? Their perspective, their vision was protected by God because they came into agreement with what God was doing in their lives. They came into agreement with what God was doing by making Saul the king, you know? Saul didn't, Saul didn't ask to be king. God didn't ask for him to be king. The people did. So even in their disobedience, even in their faithlessness, God still stepped in to be faithful. Amen. And that's just like us. We have moments of, of unfaithfulness, moments where we doubt God. And yet he's still so faithful. He will come in and rescue us every single time. And he will use what the enemy meant for evil, right? Meant to bring division and destruction and use it for good, to redeem the situation, to redeem his fellowship with his people, to redeem this this kingdom, right? To redeem Saul as king and build, keep building the kingdom up, right? Whether it's it's whether it's how he wanted it to be or not, you know, he loves his people so much, 
He will come in and rescue us every single time. Even in the midst of our sin, midst of our doubt, midst of our insecurities, God still loves us so much. He will come in and save us, hoping the right people into our lives. He'll empower us through his Holy Spirit to save his people, right? And bring that unity back into our lives. Amen. So three questions as we close out here. Application points going into our Monday and our week here. Uh, One, how is our perspective today? How is our perspective this week? What are we subject to because we only see half the picture? What have we lost sight of because the physical battle in front of us is making us take our eyes off of God in this situation? Number two, are we walking in God's spirit of empowerment and equipping for his purposes? Or are we walking in timidity, fear, and self-destruction? And three, who can you be a Saul for today that needs extra faith and extra spiritual perspective in the face of the challenges they're facing? Right? What's our perspective? How are we walking in God's empowerment? And how can we shift someone else's perspective today as we continue our week? Let's pray out. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord God, for your word. I thank you for your faithfulness, God, from generation to generation to generation. I hope up to now, God, from the Israelites to now, God, you are so, so faithful. You're so, so good. You're so, so loving towards your people, God. Thank you that we can trust in your name. Thank you that we can have a relationship with you through your son, Jesus. Thank you, God, that you give us your Holy Spirit to empower us, God. Give us your perspective today on ourselves, on our situation, on others, God. Empower us through your Holy Spirit right now, Lord, to be the voice of truth, a voice of love, a voice of grace, a voice of mercy. A voice, God, of of unity between us and those around us, Lord. Help us to be an example for others to come back to you, to see more of you in us. Empower us, God, for for the purposes and the plans you have for us as we continue on our week. In your name, we praise you and we thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. Have an incredible, yes, rest of your day, everyone. I'm so grateful to see you all. I have you joining us. We can't wait to see you tomorrow. All right. Take care. God bless.